This episode is brought to you by Western Bloodstock. Western Bloodstock conducts all of the sales at the NRCHA and NCHA major events in Fort Worth, Texas. Whether you are looking for a ready-made show horse, broodmares, or your next young prospect, Western Bloodstock has many options available to fulfill your performance horse needs. 2019 NCHA Fraternity Sales, Monday, December 9th through Saturday, December 14th. A complete catalog with extensive pedigree research will be posted on the website. Saturday, December 14th, Watt Arena finishes up the sale week with 75 trained show horses and 3-year-olds. 8 a.m., a full breakfast sponsored by Quarter Horse News. 9 a.m., NCHA Cutting Horse Sale, followed by select cow-dog demonstrations and sale. Four of the best working dogs will be offered for sale followed by the NCHA semifinals. Like their page on Facebook, Western Bloodstock LTD, or visit their website, www.westernbloodstock.net. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Section K podcast. Today's Tuesday, December the 3rd. The boys are back in town. My name's Caden Rutherford, joined with Cody Headland and Colburn Blue Larson, live so. from the Amon G. Carter Exhibit Hall. On this week's episode, we sit down with the 25 novice world champion, catch rider, fraternity finalist extraordinaire, Mr. Tim Smith from Temecula, California, slash Payson, Arizona. Tim Smith was... Uh, Nice enough to stop by the CHC booth uh, today and shoot the breeze with us about uh, the World Finals and this year's NCHA World Championship Futurity. Thanks so much for stopping by. Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode of the Section K Podcast. This episode of the Section K Podcast is brought to you by Equine Extreme Performance. EXP offers an all-natural, drug-free supplement built for the equine industry. They have built these products using cutting-edge technology to deliver the highest quality product available to you and your horse. How do they know it's right for your horse? Ask the 2019 NCHA Futurity Open Semifinalists, Jamie Snyder, Sean Flynn, Jesse Lennox, Clay Cherney, Casey Green, and Matt Miller all use EasyBins, Proform, and other EXP products. One 50-pound tub of Proform is a 266-day supply that costs just $1.88 to feed per day per horse. Proform has a special ingredient coating technology that allows for prevention of ulcers in both the fore and hind gut, which sets it apart from other supplements on the market and is essential to helping your horse perform at the highest level. Visit www.expequine.com and enter promo code BLACK20 at checkout to receive 20% off your next order. Also, be sure to use promo code Section K to receive 10% off your next EXP order as well. That's promo code BLACK20 and promo code SECTION K at www.expequine.com. Welcome back to the Section K podcast. We are joined live from the Eamon Carter Exhibit Hall. Uh, myself, Caden Rutherford, here with Cody Headland, Colburn Blue Larson, and our special guest in Texas for this year's 2019 NCHA World Championship Futurity and World Finals, 
Um, Mr. Tim Smith from Payson, Arizona. Tim Smith, how's it going, man? Good it's, to see you. It's going great. Uh, really glad you guys found a spot for me to come visit with you a little bit today. I follow you along all year, and uh, uh, I'm sure happy to be here. Well, thanks so much for taking the time. And first and foremost, congratulations on uh, coming here to the World Finals. I believe you have the 25 Novice World title locked up on Pepto scootin' man for um, you and your lovely wife, Diane Smith. Yes, um, we do. Talk a little bit about, first and foremost, uh, your year that you've had on Pepto scootin' man and hauling down the road. Well, it's been a lot of fun, and, and uh, you know, we kind of bought him strictly by accident, and we were going to haul this year, and I was looking for a horse for Diane, and as it turned out, she, she hurt her back, so she wasn't able to 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 show him much after january and i jumped on and went and and uh it's kind of funny because uh, thinking back uh, one of your guys's first podcasts you were talking about the standings at the beginning of the year and my good friend mr cody says that hey don't forget about tim smith in this thing i you know and and so i kind of it kind of put a bird in my bonnet you know i i've been away for for a couple of years kind of semi-retired and we've been uh uh, taking it easy and and I got I got bored and I uh, I enjoy the heck out of the hauling and uh, you know when uh, we realized how good a horse he really was we just rolled on with it and uh, kind of run away from him in the middle of the summer and it's it's all wrapped up so you also hauled in the open unfortunately your horse that you qualified for the world finals um, came up kind of lame I believe kind of earlier on middle of the middle of the year um, you were sniffing at CR Gotcha Covered and Taryn Rice's heels um, whenever that went out. Um, too Smart a Cat, uh, the owner, Tammy Valley. That was another good horse that um, Very good horse. Yeah, very good horse, Caden. And, and uh, she had a suspensory injury in, in uh, the early part of June. And we were still third when they started, or fourth, I believe, when they started the finals. And, uh, you know, we're going to tumble down, but we'll still end up in the top 15. And, and it was fun because she was a really, really nice, is a really nice mare. And we were clicking along really good. We had the big show in Vegas and uh, was kind of, the group all got together. A lot of the horses that are here in the finals were there in Las Vegas. And I think I, we showed four times and I won two and a second and a third and, and, then uh, we blew a tire, so to speak. And uh, but she's she's well on the road to recovery and uh, should be back in the arena in the middle of next summer. Not with me, but Miss uh, Tammy Valley will probably be showing her some just for fun. And uh, we got some babies on the way, so uh, we're excited that uh, you know I'm glad I got a chance to show her. But unfortunately, she she didn't make it to the end of the year. But it was fun because uh, you know we're all buddies at the end of the day, and it's kind of nice to to be in the mix with the young guys and have them looking over their shoulder just a little bit. And and who knows knows how it turned out but uh, I uh, I was fortunate to show her as long as I did yeah one of your little protégés old Monty Bunton <laughs> one of the one of the other world finalists in there that was probably looking over his shoulder um, every every time he'd see you come to the cut yeah. on, on old too smart a cat. yeah it was uh, it was fun you know we cut against each other all year out there in the west coast and and uh, I kind of uh, she was pretty hard to get around I mean she's good and I was on my game you know and it 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 was it was hers to lose i had to do something pretty stupid to, to not get a not get a check and i kind of ran, ran away from them and and actually she's going to end up the pacific coast open champion this year which is is good she deserves that i mean as you know we only showed her for five months but she's a special horse and and uh you know the fact that she 
is a daughter of WR who I won the Pacific Coast Open title on him and uh, so it's kind of neat to come back and win one uh, on one of his offspring. I, I guess that means I'm getting old, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so I thought it was pretty fitting that uh, we were able to visit with you here at the NCHA Futurity. Your name uh, synonymous uh, with this cutting. Um, my first memory of you, like I was telling you earlier before we started recording, is coming and watching you catch ride whiskey in a dirty glass or smooth peanut butter and and not really understanding the whole idea of a catch rider of a catch rider and and really just the art of catch riding um talk a little bit about um coming to this show and kind of what your game plan is and what you're thinking when you're coming to get on a catch ride here at the Futurity. or on one that you've trained as well well it for for me personally um I've made the finals here, I believe, six times, uh, five of them being catch rides, one being one that I brought from home. Uh, and with our situation on the West Coast, and it, it's changed some with the, with the younger, call them kids, they're not kids, but Morgan and Monty and, and Eric and Brant Erickson and all of those guys that, that come back to these events now. Uh, when, in, our, in our heyday, when I had my Temecula operation, we did a lot of weekend stuff and, and regional aged events and and we were gone so much i really didn't have the opportunity to you know prepare a, a fort worth three-year-old we would show them at the early fraternities just because we were traveling so much and and uh as with with your dad cody i mean we all did the same thing we went and hauled on the weekends we did our fort klamath las vegas pacific coast stuff and uh and then my good friend Mr. Phil Rapp he was really the first one to say hey I need you to come back here and and show a horse for me and I'm like well okay what you know we can do that and but for me personally what do I look for Uh, at six foot four it's hard for me to follow somebody that's five foot seven just because of the body style and whatnot I've obviously had a lot of success with Phil, a lot of success with Gary Gonzalves, uh, uh, Gonzalves, and um, you know I've showed horses for Matt Gaines. I was very fortunate to get to show Smooth as a Cat, and that was like flying a jet plane. I mean, you know, just <laughs> <laughs> along for the ride. Uh, and um, you know I've done well on horses Matt has trained, but the transition was not as easy. And I think a lot of it is just is body type, uh, the way you ride. Um, you know, uh, uh, somebody that rides a little more loose and flowing, like I tend to do, versus someone that is is a little more you know feet oriented and stays close to them. Uh, and and I think it just comes from showing so many horses on the weekends. Uh, you know, Rock and I traded off. I mean, I think I showed Metellus Cats grandmom or mom some mom, gra- yep. your mom. I showed her uh, when she was a weekend horse and. Um, you know it's it's just something that we do and and as a catch rider you know uh, everybody is different every trainer is different when i would go to phil's he'd hand me the bridle reins and he wouldn't get back on them he'd say here go on with it when when i showed whiskey that year uh i started working him and phil never got back on him through the whole show and i'm like you sure you don't want to oh no you're doing good uh you know and and double g was a little different i rode peanut butter i got comfortable with her and then she was pretty fractious and and so i didn't work her a lot uh this year i've got one for tatum that i've advanced and um i've worked him four or five times maybe and he's he's easy uh he's a little fractious it's better if we don't get too many hands in the pie but i think that it's basically uh 
each horse is different. You know, my job is to do a good job cutting my cows and execute the plan, you know, and, and, uh, like the horse I showed this year, I showed one for Lloyd, marked a 19 in the first round, and I did not execute the plan in the second round. I cut a bad cow, uh, and um, he's in the non-pro division and did well, you know, in the first go-around. But uh, a horse that I should have been able to advance on, and for whatever reason, we just didn't get it done. Very well trained, very well prepared. I cut a bad cow. But, um, you know, that's part of the game, and you got to have pretty thick skin because there's a lot of high hopes, you know, when you get jump on one, especially a good horse, like the th maybe their third horse, and they're up to the last minute trying to decide what they're going to show. But uh, for the most part, you know, do I do what I do. I try and cut clean. I try and make it look easy, make it a pretty picture. And the real cutting starts the last Saturday afternoon. That's when it gets serious. Sunday now. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. So you talked about uh, going down the road many years, living in Temecula, California, but not very many people know you didn't actually grow up on the West Coast. You're from Minnesota originally. So tell people how you got started into cutting. Well, that's a that's a whole other kettle of fish, so to speak. Uh, my brother was in California. Uh, I grew up on a farm slash ranch in southern Minnesota. Uh, my dad was kind of a country vet, and we always had horses. We had draft horses. I rode jumping horses. I rode pleasure horses or anything that they would put me on. And I'd come to California in the summer and spend some time with my older brother, Mike, who was living in uh, Chino at the time, and he had was riding cutting horses. So I jumped in, and, you know, I thought, ah, this is a lot of fun. You know, I, I never looked at it as a career. I uh, went back to Minnesota, finished high school, went to college on a basketball scholarship, uh, tore my leg up in a practice early in the first year. Um, it's pretty well documented. I didn't want to go to school. <laughs> I just wanted to play basketball. Uh, and uh, my brother said, you know what, you probably need to come to California and let's, let's you know, go in business with, with me. Uh, Mike at the time owned a huge uh, bookstore newsstand in Alhambra, California. And... Uh, I would ride horses in the morning and go in and work in the store at night. And it just gradually snowballed and became something, obviously, that I had some talent for. And I hated to be inside. And uh, through some tutelage from, uh, from Mr. Bill Martin, my brother Mike, uh, Dave McGregor, uh, uh, here we are. You know, I don't know how many years later, 40 six years. Million like, yeah, later six too. million dollars later. Six million dollars later, yeah. And, you know, that was a that was a huge goal this year uh, to cross the the six million dollar mark. I mean, it's a it's quite a number in this in this sport. Um, and when I got my printout, this is kind of funny. I got my Equistat printout. The very first horse that I'm recorded winning a check on belongs to what is now my sister in law, uh, my brother's wife, Gay. Uh, owned a horse and I don't even remember what his name was but he was just a horse but I won a $382 check somewhere <laughs> on him and uh, he was the first one on the printout but uh, it's been a lot of great horses and a lot of great people and and uh, I've certainly had my fair share of good ones along the way. And how about talk talk to us about some of those great horses that you've had throughout your lifetime or, or uh, <coughs> got to show even? Well um, I've I've been pretty fortunate, and and uh, I guess you'd probably say the first really good horse I had was a, a Colonel Freckles stud named Freckles Flynn, and that was in the mid to late '80s, and uh, I probably ruined him three times. I mean, he was just amazing. He was the first son of Colonel Freckles to win a hundred thousand dollars in weekend money. He won all of his in the weekends, and then he had an aged event career. Um, 
you know, there were several horses on the West Coast, Travolano, Hickory's Golden Flow, Stylish Pepper, A.R. Little Rio. Uh, he's a Missouri doc talking about catch rides, and you spent a lot of time on him, Cody. I, I got to show him twice and uh, for Bob Kennedy, and I'm probably the only one he ever ran away with. He ran off with me, and I was, like, devastated. And then the next day, Bobby said, well, you got to go again. You can't quit. And I marked a 76 on him. But, um, you know, smooth as a cat. I'm counting checks. Bob's Hickory Rio. Uh, if I want to, I can tell a little story on, on Cody here. We uh, would love to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Boyd uh, Rice, we were in Las Vegas, and uh, I was going to a show in Arizona, and Boyd had Bob's Hickory Rio there. And uh, I said, hey, I'm going to this weekend show in, in Arizona. And I was kind of hauling WR in the open that year, but I had made the aged event finals on him. And I says, I'll, you know, he says, we'll take Bob, Bob over there. I'm like, well, okay. And I had a trailer full of horses. And co you were there for some reason. I was I, hauling in the 20,000 non-pro. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's how long ago this was. Uh, <laughs> it was a long time ago. Many moons. Yeah. So, you know, I get over there, and, and it was a pretty good size show. And Cody got Bob Sickery Rio ready for me. And, you know, I mean, I didn't know him that well. I knew he was trained. I mean, he'd been around. And, and he, you know, obviously is a stud. And, and every time I'd look up, Cody would be surrounded by like 15 girls, you Mama. know, and, and <laughs> imagine that, huh? imagine Cody surrounded by a bunch of young ladies, but uh, we won every day, uh, I marked 151s, 152s, 153s, Cody got him ready every day, and every day I'd look back and there he'd be surrounded by girls, but <laughs> it didn't affect Bob Sickery Rio any, I think it had a lasting impact on Cody maybe, <laughs> as, as we go, but uh, kind of a... a, a a footnote to that story I went back to Vegas hauled him back and they had a big added open there and Boyd got back on him and he ran all over the arena with him and I'm like oh my god I broke his horse you know <laughs> but uh you know he's like ah he'll do that every once in a while and then he come back and won the next day but but I've had certainly my fair share of great horses so what about some of the very first ones that you started to do good on how much do you think those horses put you in the right direction of consistently training a good horse? Well, they, they did, uh, Colburn. They, they certainly did. And, and, you know, back in the day, uh, in the late 80s, uh, when we started this journey, um, when we would go to a cutting on the weekend, and we could cut three weekends a month in Southern California within an hour of Temecula. I mean, there was a San Diego Association, a California Association, a Sand Canyon Association back then. And uh, you had to get around Gene Suter on Montana Dock. You had to get around Lindy Birch on her string of Oxbow horses, Bob Nelson at the time. Uh, Tim Stewart had Dry Docks Dottie. Uh, uh, Chubby had several horses. Farron was out there at that time. And it was tough sledding. And you had to be pretty quick to figure out what was going on and, and to stay in the money. And, and the one thing about all them people, Gene, Mr. Gene Suter especially, and you guys never had the opportunity to see him, but he was absolutely magic on the back of a horse. And he, had a, he would always tell us, you know, guys, I'm not a cowboy, I'm a cutter. And he says, you take me out of this arena and I'm helpless, but I will get your money inside this arena. And that's kind of really always set with me. You know, Russ Westfall is one of my dearest friends in the world, and he's a cowboy. Yeah. And we actually went wild cow hunting at Shannon Hall's 
probably 10 years ago, and they took the ropes away from me. He, Russ <laughs> said, you get the gate. You know, he says, you get the gate and stay out of trouble. But, but I, I always thought that that was inside the arena is my gig. I, I've always had the knack to be able to show a horse. Uh, I'm very competitive, as Cody can attest to, uh, too much so sometimes. Uh, but, you know, we learned at a very young age that we were going to have to outshow them guys, you know, and learn how to outshow them. And, and uh, you know, growing up, uh, Rick and Mike Mowry are the same age as I am. Del Bell was a, was a youth out there. The first youth trophy I won in California, Lindy was in it, I was in it, Rick Mowry was in it, and Del Bell was in it. Now, there's That's three crazy. or four NCHA Riders Hall of Fame members right there. I don't know how many world championships, fraternity finalists. I mean, but that was our core group when we were kids. And I think I was probably 15, 14, 15 at that point. Uh, but uh, we had a pretty tough group of people to show against, and you learn damn quick how to get showed and what to do. Speaking of good horses that you trained, I actually – Watch the video before we came in here. That 232 you <laughs> marked on my Lizzie Babe. I believe it was the 2013 Pacific Coast Futurity when it was still held in Paso Robles, California. Right. Um, tell us a little bit about that mare. And, I mean, there's got to be numerous big-time scores, big-time runs. But yeah. that that run there at Paso at the Pacific Coast in, in 13 was one that really stuck out to me. Yeah, it was. she was amazing. And um, – Another situation for me, I was in the right place at the right time. When she was three, we were at the Pacific Coast Fraternity in Paso, and I was walking out to the practice pen, and Matt Budge is working her in one of the outside practice pens, and I'm walking along just kind of daydreaming, and I kind of look over, and I mean, she is getting it. I mean, just ripping around in there, and he's got his hand down, and this is the first week of November. So I stop and watch, and we visit. What is it? You know, blah, blah, blah. And and uh, is she for sale? And well, I don't know if she is or she isn't. And so we get to the fraternity, and uh, he shows her and had a little trouble. And I happened to be judging. Uh, they had the limited, I think it was called the limited non-pro then. And Chuck Drummond uh, was sh showed her. And I judged that there was five of us that they put up there because we had to judge a go-around. When it they was, did it in the watt. Yeah, they did, it it in, yeah. they did it in the watt, yes. And so I'm sitting in the judge's stands, and I look down, and dang, here's her name, you know, and I didn't know he was going to show her. And I had told Matt, you know, when the fraternity was done, I wanted first crack at her, and even though it didn't go well for him. So Mr. Drummond comes riding in front of the judge's stands, and he stops her, and he's got enough slack in them bridle reins to fly fish with. I'm like, holy cow. He, I'll never forget this. He put his hand under the saddle pad, and he headed to the herd, riding away from me. And he walked through the herd, a hold of that saddle pad, and she basically cut a cow. I mean, she, he comes out of there without really doing anything, has one cow in front of him, and she works it, and it kind of fell apart from there. And I, you know, I get done, and I called John Kratzer, and I said, we were looking for a horse, and I said, I found your mare. I said, but we need to do this, like, right now. So... <laughs> Anyway, I'm getting a little long-winded here, but we come, we try her, he buys her. Fast forward to Paso, um, and uh, it was her last staged event. Uh, I think I drew like 11th out of 15 or 16, and it was an amazing group of horses. And uh, we marked a 232, and I don't know if I've had a better run. I'd, I, I, it was 
just uh, was our turn. And I mean, three good cows. She's incredibly fast, big stop. She was very, a little on the frantic side, but she looked like she saw a ghost when you put a cow in front of her. And of course, her first baby is Metallic's MVP, who is a very talented horse. And, and I think he's got a huge future going forward. Uh, but she was an amazing mare. We had a tremendous amount of success. I never felt like, no matter what the score was, somebody had marked when I went to the herd that I was going to get beat. I always thought I was going to win. Um, I think probably the best run I ever had on her, uh, we were in Vegas, and uh, Russ Westfall had marked a 225 on Jet for uh, Mr. Gary Wooten owned Jet at the time. And uh, he was like the third horse to work, and I was like seventh. And there was no doubt in my mind I was going to win. I mean, I just have that much confidence in her. And I marked a 229, I think, and, and it was some kind of good. But she always gave you that feeling that she was going to be the one to beat. And, and it worked out well, you know, in those instances and several others. And uh, she belongs to County Rock Ranch now. And uh, there's more babies coming. So we'll, we'll see if she'll pass it on. I think she won just under 175 right. total, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, talk a little bit about John Kratzer and and what he's like to be around and kind of what he means to your program too. Well, John is a, is a dear friend. And uh, when I was in Temecula, he, he moved from uh, Austin, Texas to California. He's in the real estate business, Marriott Hotels amongst other things. Great guy. Um, and uh, he kept sending me horses and I'd send them back. I'm like, that's not good enough. You know, he, he gave me, he said, I want to be able to go anywhere and win. And I, he kept sending them, and I kept sending them back and sending them back. And and uh, he's like, well, gosh dang it, are none of these good? I said, not so far. So we went, and uh, he says, well, go buy me one. So we bought a mare named Freckles R in style first, uh, stylish oak mare that won, oh gosh, I don't know, close to 200000 and and she's had a bunch of really good colts. Uh, then we bought Lizzie. Uh, he had a great gelding named... Uh, uh, Catlight that we won a boatload of money on. Uh, he bought Jet at as a weekend horse, um, and and John has since moved back here to Dallas, and and uh, Tatum is helping him with his young horses. We're kind of all a team right now, and and he's a great guy. But it was funny because you know he, I just said no, it's not good enough. No, it's not good enough. No, it's not good enough. Well, it finally sunk in, and and he's he's smart enough to know that if you're going to come here, you better bring the best you have because second best don't do it. And, and that's what's been successful for us. Well, and it takes a it take like you mentioned a teamwork and and uh, the camaraderie and it takes it takes honesty and it takes and it takes a kind of a family to be able to tell your customer like, hey man, this one isn't good enough. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to take your money anymore. You need to you need to we need to either buy an, another horse or get a get a better one or or figure something out. So I think that says a lot about the, y'all's relationship. That that's a huge part of it. And you know you can't be barn barn blind or or broodmare blind. I mean, you know I've as you guys have Cody, you and, and your dad have done. We've all showed great mares that for one reason or another they weren't matched with the right stud or they just didn't pass it on. And there's nothing that breaks your heart. You know you're riding a three year old and you're like. Well, I know there's a good horse in here somewhere, and sometimes there just isn't, you know, and, and, and that's a hard pill to swallow for, for anybody because the bottom line, and, and to a fault, you know, I know you guys, and I don't know you as well as I know Cody, but, you know, 
we all might be hard asses, but we get attached to these horses, and yeah. the good ones hold a place in our heart. And Amen. it's it's hard to it's hard to imagine that they're not going to pass it on, and and uh, that's a tough pill to swallow. And once you realize sometimes it don't work, that's the best way to get to the winner's circle is be smart about your horse flesh. So you were talking about good horses, and and we've talked about how many times you've been in the fraternity finals, whether it's on your own or catch rides from multiple different trainers and but I wanted to get your take on this year's fraternity and and it having taken a 434 this year and just the caliber of horses that you have seen so far that and uh and your many years of being back here and and what's your thoughts on it and congrats on making it on Jay-Z well thank you thank you and uh uh I think this is the deepest group of colts we've had in a long time. There's usually five or six or two or three that stand out. Um, you know, Gary Belafonte's horse in the first round was outstanding. And it was, I mean, it was old school at its best. And, but it was, it was the, he's, a, he's a fabulous horse. It was, it was good cuts. It was, you know, everybody was pulling for Gary, and, and rightfully so. And, and it's dang sure one of the best horses. But I think... I would be hard-pressed to, to give you less than 10 to 15 head that I think could win. Um, and and I honestly, in, in my heart of hearts, think that a couple of the, the best horses are not in the semifinals. Um, Corey Deal had a, and I think it was a gelding, in the first round he marked a 222 yes. on. And, and that horse, you know, I was setting up in the – green seats up there behind tom holt and i'm you know i'm i'm pretty jaded it takes a lot to make me look and i'm like holy cow and and he marked a 22 idling around i mean it wasn't forced on him it looked like a rocket ship and he got run over in the second go round but I mean, I think it. I think the cows were exceptional in the first round. I think the judging was positive, a good positive. I don't think they were giving anything away, but they paid you to cut. And you could just watch it as it went. I showed the third, maybe the third and the fourth day. Uh, but the farther we went, the more you could see the guys like, this is just a weekend cutting, guys. You best go cut because if you screw around and you have a bobble, they're going to cut your head off, and rightfully so. But if you went down there and trotted up and showed your horse, I think that uh, you know they, they would overlook a little bobble. And, and the same thing is going on in the non-pro, and I think that's great. But, um, you know, I think Gary's horse is exceptional. I think Lloyd has an exceptional mare. I think Spud has two or three horses. Michael Cooper, you know, uh, Tata. I mean, there's there's countless horses. But it would not surprise me to see one of them horses that marked a pair of 18s win this thing. Um, I, I think that I think the finals and the semifinals is going to be more, uh, and I, I probably shouldn't use this term, but a Mercuria type of cutting. I don't think we're going to see a cutesy cutesy futurity run win this cutting i think you're going to have to go hold three cows and do it with style and a little degree of difficulty and uh it's just that kind of a group of horses incredibly trained uh and and these guys young old whatever age everybody has raised their bar this year and and they're cutting i mean they're they're showing them like they're five I mean, I was, I'm absolutely amazed, you know, but I think you could go, you could probably go another 50 horses deep below the semifinalists 
and find a horse that could possibly win this thing if he would have advanced or she would have advanced. I think it's that good a group and uh, by a lot of different studs, you know, and, and uh, um, whoever wins it's going to earn it because everybody's gunning for it. You know, everybody's gunning for it. And how excited does it make you feel being in that semifinals? Well, it's it's good. Uh, it's been a couple of years, and, and David Stewart and I were, when we did the TV gig for Mark last year, the Cutting Horse Central thing, I'm like, you know, it's fun setting up here, but I would trade the world to be setting down there. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I enjoy doing the, the commentary, but, uh, yeah, I've, I've dang sure got a horse that could be cutting the last day. Um, and uh, Miss Kylie, she trotted through a 220 last night on him. Yep. I'm like, does he look that good with me? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, I've got a, I've got one that can could contend. That's for darn sure. He's Absolutely. he's a very nice horse, and you know, homebred out there, and um, he's a bit of a quirky devil. Uh, he doesn't like the attention that he's getting right now. Uh, he doesn't like anybody touching him, you know, and. I mean, I, you know, again, Kylie's five foot three or four or five, and I'm six foot four, and we go to change and stirrups around, and his eyes are big, and he, you know, <laughs> she's, but once you're up there, he's all business, so it's yep. good. It's all good. This interview with the legendary $6 million man, Tiny Tim Smith, is brought to you by OK Brand Steel & Wire. Committed to providing the highest quality fencing products at the most competitive prices since 1979. A family-owned and operated company headquartered in Medill, Oklahoma, OK Brand is proud to provide 100% American melted and American made fencing products. Whether it's max tight horse for your turnout, horse panels for your stall, or barbed wire and field fence for your cattle, OK Brand is the brand to trust. OK Brand Fencing, ask for it by name at your favorite farm and ranch fencing supplier. Learn more online at okbrand.com. So you grew up in California, or no, you grew up in Minnesota, Minnesota. Yeah. Um, had your business in Temecula, California right. uh, for, for a while, and now you reside in Arizona. Right. When you aren't um, riding horses, what, what can the people find you doing when you're not? Well, I'm, a, I'm an avid golfer, as, as you know, uh, and uh, I... Uh, I should be better at it for as much as I play it, um, but I, my wife and I really enjoy it. And, uh, you know, we, we sold the ranch in California four or five years ago, four years ago, I guess. And uh, if you would have told me 25 years ago I'd be living in the pine trees on a golf course, I'd have said you're crazy. But uh, we really enjoy it um, through John Kratzer, Cody Lamont, uh you know, and Stephen K. Terrell, who are dear, dear friends. I've kind of been homeless this year. You know, we've been at to, we've cut all over the Western United States, and uh, you know, when we're on days off, I was if I was in California, I was at John's. If I was in Southern Arizona, I was at Cody's. If I was passing through the our town in Payson, I would put the horses up at Stephen K.'s, and and uh, you know, so it it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, we chased it till the bitter end, and uh, it was good to get home and just kind of shut the truck off, you know, and relax a little bit. But, but we play, you know, we play a lot of golf, uh, do a lot of hiking. Um, I, I'd like to get back into fishing when I can, but I haven't been able to do too much of that this year. I feel like people kind of have their mind made up when they hear about somebody living in Arizona and they have the desert in their minds, and they don't they don't understand how beautiful the White Mountains of Arizona are and I was fortunate enough to spend a lot of time growing up and uh, going up to Springerville, Arizona. Right. So I, for one, know how beautiful and how relaxing 
it can be up there in Payson, Arizona. It's not your typical hot. Especially when you've been on the road all year. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's like it's like being in Montana or being in Colorado, right, being right. in the mountains. We live at five thousand feet and it's all pine trees and you drive up the mountain and you're in the rocks and the cactus and the brush and and i mean if it can cut you or stick you or bite you it's in arizona i guarantee <laughs> you until you get up above that certain level but a lot of elk a lot of deer a lot of uh, a lot of hunting fishing kayaking it's amazing what you find when you get up in there and payson is kind of a little lazy country town i mean it's really relaxing and we we love it there absolutely love it you mentioned fly fishing are you a pretty avid angler as well when you get the chance well i used to I, we used to fish a lot in minnesota um and uh a lot of more ice fishing than yep. anything there's nothing else to do in the winter you know you go out to the, out the ice house and crack you a cold one and sit there and fish <laughs> through the ice you know and turn the heater on and, and do that but uh i i really and you know i don't fish as much as i used to but i i love it i'm i'm pretty much a, a golfer i mean i i if i'm not not riding and there ain't nothing going on i'm on the golf course and uh we really enjoy it and it should be doesn't look like it's that hard the ball is sitting there and you gotta nobody's guarding you and you just gotta hit it but uh, sometimes that's hard to do so i enjoy the heck out of that i hear that yeah. i hear that 100 yeah. percent. yeah for sure for <laughs> sure tim with this year's hauling nearly coming to an end with the world finals going on right now and i'm sure there's a lot of people out there already planning for next year to be hauling uh, what do you think is one thing that is the most important for yourself going and showing, regardless of what class you're in, to get you all the way to the World Finals? To the World Finals. The the most important thing, Colburn, is you got to have a short memory. When if you screw up, it's over. Let it go. Let it go. You know, there's another one tomorrow, and just. Uh, you know pet them on the neck go take care of them and go on to the next one you know you can't it's a year-long average and when we started this year um the open mare they couldn't beat her i won the first 10 circuits we went to i mean that was there was nothing to it and i actually was showing a novice horse uh two 25 horses one for al dunning a smooth as cat gelding that ended up uh hurting a stifle or he had a pre-existing stifle issue and I was winning on him and second and third on my own horse, our, our horse, yeah. which, you know, I, I, I'm, if there's a dime on the ground, I'm going to try and get it. I don't <laughs> care what horse I'm on. But, uh, you know, and I, I'm kind of like, well, I know mine is just as good as that one, but I, you know, I was pushing a little too hard on my own, you know. But you just got to remember, you know, I cut against, uh, you know, now that I'm in Arizona, when I was in California, it was – Cody's dad, Rock, and Todd B. Matt, and and Russ Westfall, and Gavin Jordan, and uh, David Costello, and uh, Tim Stewart, and all them guys. We cut against each other every every time, and and you know you had to be on your A game. And now that I'm in Arizona, you know it's Mike Wood and Todd Adolph and Cody Lamont, and and it's the same thing, you know. And and I mean, you just got to understand that you're not going to win every time, but you got to get a check every time. You know, just keep placing and keep placing, and. Uh, you got to be pretty strong mentally. We we've got a few tight races. The titles are pretty much decided, but the reserve champions. There's a lot. There's reserve champions in two or three classes that are going to come right down to what's fixing to happen here next week over there. And you know, the one thing I'm tickled about is these people have been friends all year, and I hope that it ends that way. You know, yeah. I mean, uh, nobody's really imploded. It's been a pretty <laughs> relaxing. It's been a pretty relaxing. Uh, 
year actually you know and and uh, but I just think that people have to understand that take care of your horse make sure they're as healthy as they can be you know and you know obviously take care of yourself I didn't think that when I was 25 but <laughs> now that I'm north of 60 uh, that's very important you know to make sure you're everybody's rested and ready to go and and uh, you know let it go if you screw up or you know i mean sometimes you're going to have a run you think well i'm supposed to win and you mark a 72 there ain't nothing you can do about it you know let it go and go on to the next one and and uh i think that's the biggest thing and our cuttings in arizona are huge especially january february march i mean there'll be 40 horses in every class and uh you got to beat 30 of them and and it, it'll test you right off the get-go and you just got to be smooth and keep doing your thing the old holler saying there's a one tomorrow there's one tomorrow code you know that very well <laughs> i mean we've we've done a lot of that and and i just think that people have to you know realize that you you just got to roll with it you know whatever whatever happens happens them horses are going to stay good or start good or maybe start bad and get good or they're going to hit a dead spot in the middle of the summer and uh, our gelding he weakened a little first part of august and then away we went again and and uh you know keep them healthy and just keep doing what you're doing well guys this has been super fun tim thanks so much for Stopping by the Section K podcast. Best of luck in the 25 Novice World Finals aboard Pepto Scootin' Man. And we'll all be cheering for you on semifinals day uh, when you walk to the herd on Jay-Z for the T-Bar K Cutting Horses. Once again, man, thanks so much uh, for stopping by. We greatly appreciate it. I appreciate it very much, guys. You're all doing a great job. Thanks for what you're doing for our sport. And, and keep up the good work, huh? Thank yes, you. Sir. We'll talk thanks, again. Tim. Appreciate right. it, man. Big thanks once again to Mr. Tim Smith for taking time out of his busy schedule during the NCHA Futurity and NCHA World Finals and coming by the Section K podcast for a little while. Uh, speaking of the World Finals, been a solid start to both the first and second go-rounds of the non-pro and open World Finals. So far in the World Finals, the show has been dominated by Mr. Kenny Platt and the ever-so-famous gilding mom stylish player. Uh, Kenny Platt won the first round, I believe, with a 227 and yep. came back in the second round, uh, bested uh, open world champion CR Gotcha Coverage 229 with a 230. Uh, that was a hell of a run. Uh, I didn't really see much of that second round, but I did see uh, that both Taryn and Kenny's runs, and those were both hellacious runs, that's for sure. They certainly were, and... I think that's why they were so closely scored, too, because uh, obviously there was a split in the scores. But um, Kenny ended up coming home with a W, and it's been a fun night at the World Finals. He's won 12,000 in two nights. That's, that's pretty, pretty that's cool. That's a pretty good chunk of change, and that's what's fun about the World Finals and having them here at the fraternity is getting to watch all those open horses that have hauled all year long. I mean, that's fun, but drinking cold beer with your friends and hanging <laughs> out in the watt late night is kind of what I think is super fun about the World Finals. <laughs> Or long drinks, if you guys are into that type of stuff. But, yeah, no, it's it's definitely heating up. And the first night wasn't as good. Everybody was probably getting acclimated. But the second night was a pretty darn good cut, and there's a lot of good scores. And that's part of the whole experience is getting to have the world finals here. Yeah, the, no, the non-pro hasn't been a slouch either. Go ahead, CBL. Uh, and also, it always seems like one, if sometimes two, but if not one that just sticks out and screams – that 
how good in the all, usually always those horses had a good age event career and then they're hauling in the weekend stuff and they stick out and in the water arena and world finals last year with james and pg heavily armed and lloyd also has copper issue yeah. here that he's been hauling and shown in the yeah. five six-year-old events well, all year something long. to believe in too another yep. great mare that's yes. been in the age events well i mean even gotcha i mean he had a great age event career and was getting hauled and i mean the horse was legit the first go he just got a bad cow and got ran over yep and that happens. Mm-hmm. That Especially in that fast track in the lot. Yeah. That non-pro cutting hadn't been nothing to shake no stick at either. That first uh-huh. round, um, Metallica and Caitlin Rice marked a big ol' 226. 226. And then the second round, the non-pro world champion, Allie Good, came back on Catatat Cat, marked a 227 to win the go-round. Uh, steady right there in that second spot, Miss Blakely Colgrove in the great Catman Blue. Um that horse seems like every time he comes to the World Finals, whether it's Sean Flynn in the saddle a couple of years ago or, or Blakely showing him in whether it be the Youth World Finals or in these non-pro World Finals, that is another one that I love, absolutely love to watch work. Yeah, it's been pretty exciting, and uh, there's two more nights of it. I think they start up again Thursday night, right? Yes, Thursday the fifth, uh, with the with the third round of the Open and Non-Pro World Finals. Yeah, so be sure to check out the other – classes of the world finals that are going to be getting rolling tomorrow uh that's wednesday uh i think the 2000 limit rider the 15 novice or the 25 novice the 15 am um handful of those other classes i I think they have them kind of split up uh uh, certain days so be looking for for those world finals going on over in the water arena and best of luck to everyone shown in those world finals and congratulations yeah congrats to all, all the it's been a long year and now you made it so just like tim said it's uh, S- some of those classes are coming down to the to the world finals yep. too i know we were looking i think it was the two we were looking at yesterday that's like separated by a couple hundred bucks the the two the the and then you have the the rookie of the year that some yep. of those people aren't even going to be shown in the same sets and be be counting money on who's winning what and what class so yeah, big congratulations and best of luck to everyone competing at this year's World Finals at this year's NCHA Futurity. Well, the semifinals are set. Took a 434. Pretty tough cutting. A lot of tough horses. Yeah, lots of good horses. A handful of non-pros uh, that showed in the open that were able to advance their horses into those open semifinals as well. I thought that was a pretty cool storyline, both Brandon Westfall and Allie Good. Um, you got a mixture of your young young guys and then throw in Ascension Banuelos, Gary Bellenfont both um, rose to the occasion at this year's Futurity. Tim they, Smith. Yeah, Tim Smith as well. Just like we talked about. Yep. Um, the Tin Man, or excuse me, not the Tin Man, just Tin Man. Could be the Tin Man here before <laughs> too long. Yeah, he could be. I mean, watching that horse go through the sale last year and then seeing him back in the semifinals, him and Rosa Del Pepto, uh, Sly Criminal with Tatum back out of the sale and just all these horses that we've had a lot of exposure to already, just seeing them in the semis and obviously taking a 434. I mean, that's a tough cutting. That's the highest that it's ever been. And like by, we talked about Tim. By a long shot. Yeah, by like. a long shot. And like we talked to Tim, like he said, I mean, there's you could have taken the next 50 and there was probably one that could win this fraternity. It's just a, it's crazy to see how tough it is. There's just so many storylines. We got our buddy Cass Tatum advancing on – him and his lovely wife's uh, own horse that he's kind of been the first one that he's trained all the way through. 
Um, then you have your usual suspect, Grant Setnica. It seems like every year at the Futurity, he shows up with two good ones and, and advances yep. them to the to the semifinals and most of the time the open finals as well. Another good storyline, um, Russ Carroll uh, making it on the Don't uh, Duel Are Smoking out of Don't Look Twice. That horse's name is Don't Duel With Me. He'll be showing that one in the limited finals as well. I know a lot of people will be rooting on Russ. Um, but, yeah, James Payne. Uh, Throwing Cookie Banuelos, having having two uh, for for um, the Gons, um, Polygon and his lovely wife Katie. Um, There's just so many big time horses, big time trainers. Trevor Bullock, that's another cool story. Uh, two year old having a catch ride, over just at, like we talked to Tim Smith over at the Rose Valley, and yeah, I mean I'm sure I'm sure he's uh, tickled to death. I'm sure uh, Super Cooper's tickled to death to get another one of his horses in there as well. I'll Is it usual for it to be around a 432? Yeah. Thinking you're safe. Last year, I think it was the highest that it had ever been when it was a 432 and a half. And I remember because I think I had a 431 and a half on my horse, and I was hoping that I was going to get a shot to make the semis. And then it took the highest that it had ever taken <laughs> last year. And then here we are a year later, and it just blew that out of the water. But, like, I mean, like we talked about with Tim, the cows were good and everybody showed them good and there's a lot of good horses that are trained and, and ready to go and it should be pretty darn exciting when we get to semifinals night on Saturday. Yeah, I'll be pretty excited to watch those semifinals, uh, hopefully from Section K with the boys and then as soon as that gets wrapped up, us three and our good buddy Evan Moffitt will be bringing the people a bonus episode. Uh, that way you have something to listen to on your drive-in on Sunday, getting ready for those open fraternity finals, uh, the crown jewel of the sport. I know everybody around here is going to be super excited and looking forward to those open fraternity finals. Um, we look forward to seeing everybody out and about during the fraternity. Uh, best of luck to all the non-pros in the second round getting started today. Uh, good luck to all the amateurs. Uh, that are going to be showing next week. Uh, check us out on Facebook, Section K Podcast, Instagram, Section K Podcast. Our email address has not changed. It is still sectionkpod at gmail.com. Uh, once again, holler at us if you're at the NCHA Futurity. Good luck to everybody. We'll be seeing you all down the road. Adios. Bye. <laughs>